Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, everyone, welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast right here on the CLNS Media Network. It is Brian Hines back with Alex Barth as we are officially in the NFL offseason as the Super Bowl wrapped up last night. So we will talk about that game a little bit later on. Uh, but we will start with some Patriots news that happened over the weekend and Friday since the last time we spoke because this coaching staff, it's still coming together here. We're still getting some assistance added to it. And I think the big one that we're all excited about is Dante Hightower back in the mix here as a linebackers coach. It feels like it's been brewing for a while since Mayo said last year he would try to uh, recruit him to his staff. Sounds like he made the call and, and Hightower's coming back to coach uh, inside linebackers, they did hire an outside linebackers coach. We can get into that a little later, but Hightower's back. It's just awesome. That that just it's rules great. That, that he's back here. It's great. And to all the people who are like, oh, the media is so hypocritical. Bill just hired his friends and you were mad. And Hightower, you know, <laughs> Gerard Mayo's hiring his. So here's the difference. Sometimes when, when when Bill hired his friends, it was good for what it's worth. It, and I mean, not his friend, his son, but like Steve was a good coach. Uh, you know, bringing back Bill O'Brien last year was supposed to work. The problem was he handcuffed him in terms of building his own staff. And it's it's very rare an NFL team hires somebody they have zero familiarity with. Yeah, There's usually some connection. It's all networking. It's like at any job. The thing with Hightower is like, he, this, he's not Matt Patricia. He's not Joe Judge. People are saying Hightower is not qualified. If they'd hired him as the defensive coordinator, I would agree. But... You got to start somewhere like th- these, these coaches, even Sean McVay had a first job. Andy Reed had a first job. Bill Belichick had a first job. I, I those aren't perfect. Exi- the, the better example would be Mike Vrabel had a first job. D'Amico Ryan's had a first job. You got to start somewhere. Dante Hightower played linebacker at an incredibly high level for a decade in the NFL. Maybe he can't coach. Maybe he's like Troy Brown. We'll, we'll, we'll find out, but you're building the staff. You might as well take some chances because he's a very smart guy. I think the upside is high that he's a good coach. So you take a chance on him. You put him there. And look, they have an outside linebackers coach in, in Drew Wilkins, who's kind of a more experienced guy in, in terms of coaching. So he'll add that actual coaching experience. But Hightower is a great hire. That makes all the sense in the world. It's not like they filled out their entire coaching staff with guys like that. Everybody else on there has a ton of pedigree. Jerry Montgomery's been around for a long time. Pellegrino and Brian Belichick are back in roles. They've been in for multiple years. You want to add some new blood? This is a great way to do it. Yep. Especially because, as you just said, they paired him with Drew Wilkins, who is very right. experienced, right? Like people said, he could be someone that's on the defensive coordinator radar soon. So he's been a positional coach in the NFL since like 2012. He's, yeah. he's, he's been around he's the block. Been, he's been around for a while. So if you have, I mean, it's inside out, outside linebackers they're going to be working together pretty much most right. of the time. So you'd expect them to spend most of their time together. And yeah, this is how, I mean, Gerard Mayo started with linebackers. D'Amico Ryan's had one year as a quality control coach, but then spent, you know, his first three years as a linebackers coach. This is how people start. And he was a linebacker. So like, this makes sense for him to come in here and start there. So that's an awesome hire. Seemed like a lot of the players that were obviously here when Hightower's here, uh, we're very excited on, on social media. Bentley, Dietrich Wise saw a lot of uh, guys who were who were pretty pumped up for that. So that's an awesome hire. I just love when you can get former players in the building, especially guys who were here for like 
the, the Brady years, the dynasty years, I think that's always uh, a good thing. So uh, excited with that hire. And then Drew Wilkins, uh, as we just mentioned, was the other outside linebackers coach. He was most recently with the uh, Giants under um, Wink Martindale, defensive coordinator. They moved on from him, so that freed up Wilkins to interview elsewhere. And what was interesting about that is Matthew Judon was on the Sports Hub, your channel, last week before the Super Bowl, and he said one of the big differences, or maybe not big difference, but maybe one difference that could be coming to the defense with Mayo now in charge is more aggressive, a more aggressive unit. And, I mean, that fits the bill of a Wink Martindale defense, which, you know, Wilkins was kind of raised under these last few years. So maybe that more uh, aggressive style coming to the the Patriots defense under Mayo and Covington. Yeah. And I think that the interesting thing, there was a report a few days before the Patriots hired Wilkins. And I want to find the right wording here. Give me a second uh, from Aaron Wilson here. Wilkins had a key role on Wink Martindale's staff, especially third down and blitz design. So that's, you know, key situations, situational football. And that, I don't know, maybe they didn't, maybe the designs were, we're not going to blitz a ton, but uh, they weren't. We watched the Giants. Like, this is a guy who specializes in that kind of thing. So I totally think that that lines up. Yep. So that's a good pair in, in that linebacker room. That'll be uh, an exciting unit to watch. Uh, the other coach, another former Patriot, another former Gerard Mayo teammate, Tyquan Underwood, the man who was cut pretty much before the Super Bowl, and now he gets hired during the Super Bowl last night. He'll come in as the assistant wide receivers coach. We still don't know exactly who will be the main wide receivers coach in that room, but Tyquan Underwood will be in there. He's been you know, coaching at the collegiate level the last few years. Uh, he's done a pretty good job develop developing some talent down there, so he, he's back in the building and, and assisting with that wide receiver group. Yeah, and he he's a good hire. He's done a good job with uh, the guys at Pitt the last couple of years uh, and there'll be one. Well, there's two in the draft this year. Kanata Mumfield's is probably not, not going to get drafted. The guy we're going to be talking about is Bub means who is a, a day three receiver kind of reminds me a little bit of little Jordan Humphrey. And I know that's going to freak people out, but like there's a very real chance they double up at receiver. And that's the second, like he's a realistic player, sixth or seventh round, a second guy you take as kind of just a, a formationally versatile, tough, We'll give you something on on special teams as well. Throw them at the back end of the roster kind of player. So good compete level, all that. But no, I people at Pitt have spoken highly of Underwood. People at Rutgers spoke highly of him. And he's he's just he's the assistant. And it is weird as hell to hire an assistant coach before you hire the regular coach. Maybe they've already hired the guy. We don't know yet. Maybe it is Troy Brown as much as the kind of arrows point towards it being somebody else. But I've I've actually followed Taekwon Underwood's coaching career for a little bit now because he was always a player that interested me and then obviously when we went to Pitt I follow Pitt football uh, a little bit more closely than some other teams and then when he's at Rutgers too because that's the Patriots radar so I, I he interests me he inter if he was their head wide receivers coach I'd be a little more hesitant because I'd like them them to swing a little bigger there but I don't have a problem like assistant positional coaches to me generally are pluses and a guy yeah. like this who's who's been in some different systems and I think the system they ran at Pitt, not last year, because last year it was just, it was a mess. It was ugly. The year before that, the system they ran the year before that, I think actually has some, some similarities to what they're going to do with Van Pelt. So it's not a bad hire. I mean, I'm not going to do jumping jacks about it. I'm not going to do somersaults about it, but 
I don't think it's something worth ripping either. I think that they got a, a, a coach that people who work with has spoken highly of, and they got him in their building, and we'll see what happens with that. Was he a pit with Jordan Addison? So I said that on the radio today, and then I realized I might have done the math wrong. <laughs> and now I've got to – now I've let me double-check. I meant Let's to double-check that. Um, well, if he was there, was yeah. what? Addison only – oh, because he wasn't played this year, though. He was – Right, because he went – so, yeah, no, ago. he wasn't. He missed him because Thornton was at Pitt – or not Thornton. Underwood was at Pitt 22-23. Yeah, so he just missed him. Okay. So that would uh, obviously make it a lot more interesting. He was there with who did Pitt have last year for wide receivers? I know, I'm trying to remember. Like Rutgers had like Bo Melton was like yeah. So he was at there. Rutgers with Bo Melton. Um, I don't know who I'm thinking of was the other Pitt guy, but like he would he was spoken highly of there. And frankly, this year for them to get as much production as they did, given what their quarterback situation. I mean, part way through the year, their quarterback had to start playing tight end. Because he yeah. was struggling so much, so uh, the, uh, the the offense wasn't good by any means. But yeah, yep. So he's the assistant again in that in that room. We'll see who they what the plan is for the head guy in, in that room. Uh, someone brings up here, Chad O'Shea will probably be back soon. This seems like one that that might kind of happen. Obviously, the connection with Van Pelt, and then Tyquan Underwood. He's he started his coaching career as like a quality control guy in Miami when Chad O'Shea was. Uh, I don't know if he was. I think he was the OC at that point under Brian Flores. So they have a relationship. Chad O'Shea friends with Alex Van Pelt from their Cleveland time. So that seems like uh, that could make that could make sense there to lead that wide receiver room. But uh, again, we'll see. Uh, and and the last hire that. We can also talk about. I don't think we talked about Robert Kugler, the assistant offensive line coach, um, coming from the Carolina Panthers. He assisted there for two years. He was with Houston yeah. for a year, and then most of his uh, experience was at the collegiate level before that. But he he had some loose ties, connections with uh, Van Pelt, I believe, as well. But he'll come in and, and looks like he'll assist Scott Peters along that offensive line. I'm still just looking for, and I put out uh, a mock draft today, and I, I took uh, Patrick Paul, and you can check it out at 95sportsup.com, and I, I want to see them get one of these just big mountain of humanity linemen and <laughs> develop him the way they developed Dewan Jones. Like, I look at the plan they had for Dewan Jones last year, and Paul's a little bit of a different player, but it's he's he's not as big, right? You're talking 6'8", 370 versus 6'7", 330, and Paul's more athletic than Jones was, but the issues are very similar. The the issues you see from a lot of oversized linemen, where they, you know they'll they'll get out and lean out in front, their balance isn't great, or you know they get it's trouble getting low and they'll get beat underneath by by quicker rushers. the The main issues between the two are the same. You're probably get, they're going to look a little different once they're finished products. But I I, I look at that and if, if they can get a guy like a Patrick Paul, they can get a guy like a Tyler Guyton. I just look at what the, you know, you have offensive line coaches that worked with Dewan Jones last year. And can you replicate that? That's yep. a big question to me when, when we project this thing forward. Yep. So uh, his ties to Van Pelt, it was uh, his dad, Sean coached with Alex Van Pelt uh, in Buffalo, which was what, like Oh nine, uh, 2010. And then the, the, uh, his mentor or James Campen, who was the Panthers offensive line coach when Kugler was the assistant last year. He worked with Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo, Elliot Wolf, another one of those Green Bay uh, disciples that we've talked so much about the last few weeks. So he, again, some connections 
uh, to Van Pelt there. But that's the assistant offensive line coach again, uh, Robert Kugler. He'll work with Peters. So we're still checking off these boxes. We're still down to wide receivers coach, running backs coach, and tight ends coach, as we've kind of been for a while here. But uh, a few more assistants. I don't know. Does that change your opinion on the staff as a whole? Again, they're just assistants, but. Are you liking what they're bringing in here? Yeah, I just really want to see who the wide receivers coach is going to be. That's yep. that's kind of what I'm still waiting for. I still feel the same way about it, where they've, they've taken some chances. They're clearly trying to do more around the quarterback. And again, let's see what the let's see who the wide receivers coaches. I think that's a big, big one. Yep. I agree with you there. So that is the staff rundown. That is most of the Patriots news, I believe all the Patriots news since the last time we've talked. So we are going to take a very quick break and then we'll talk some Super Bowl. We'll talk a little bit more about the offseason and what's coming up. But let's first hear from our friends over at FanDuel. Get your buckets with your first bet at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams. Quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Massachusetts 21 plus and present in MA. Hope is here. First online real money line wager, only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling helpline ma.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, so Super Bowl 58 in the books, NFL season in the books, 49ers, uh, 49ers lost to the Chiefs, 25-22 in overtime. Kind of a, a slow game at the start there. Had some Patriots-Rams Super Bowl vibes from a few years ago, but then it it picked up down the stretch. But Chiefs, three and five years, first team to go back-to-back since the 03-04 Patriots teams. They're the new dynasty. I'm not comparing Mahomes to Brady or Reed to Belichick yet, but you have to give them, give them some credit. And you know, they're the new dynasty of, of the league right now. No, I mean, they're, they're absolutely a dynasty that qualify, I think would be unfair to say that they don't. Um, for me, I, I it's yeah, he, he's still Mahomes is still less than halfway to Brady. And I think that's not the cop. I think the comparison is, the the Chiefs are dominating this era much like the Patriots dominated two individual two individual eras. So the Chiefs have one. So it probably compares more to the the fourteen to eighteen run than it does to the 01 to 04 run, especially when you consider how the offense fell off for the Chiefs. And I mean that Mahomes was excellent this game. Don't get me wrong, he was tremendous. The rest of that offense is not good. Even Travis Kelsey did not have a good game, and he's looking like he's towards the end. Uh, but I I thought it was a tremendous game. I thought you got a a lot out of it. I thought you saw a lot of the game of football in that game. It really wasn't a one note game. And I mean, we can get it. I, I'm honestly not super interested in talking about the chiefs in this one. Uh, Mahomes to me, he caught Peyton last night. He's passed Rogers. I, I thought he passed Rogers last year. It, he's still behind Montana. I think if he wins one more then you really start to have that discussion, it's not even halfway to Brady. I get why people talk about it because it's just natural. 
one guy's one, one guy's two. Let's compare them. But there's no attention given to the gap between one and two because the gap, let me put this, the, the gap between Mahomes and Montana is smaller than the gap between Montana and Brady. And that, besides that, like it's going to be interesting to see what happens with the Chiefs when when Andy Reid leaves. Do they have the lull like the Patriots did? Do they start to get found out as they start losing some talent? Chris Jones with an awesome game last night is going to be a free agent. But the as weird as this sounds, because they won, the Chiefs are not the story from last night. It's the San Francisco 49ers. I don't know how it can be. It's the San Francisco 49ers. I just before we we get to the Niners, I want to that that gap. It, it's funny that gap between like remember when Brady had three, it was like, oh, he's got to pass Montana to be better. And then he got four. And then it's like, oh, well, Brady's four and two, Montana's four and oh. It was and, and now Brady has seven and Mahomes has three. And now people are saying Mahomes is top. That's just where I find it kind of weird. But that that's gonna be the big test for Mahomes is when you know, it sounds like Reed's going to come back next year, but how much longer does he have? Travis Kelsey, how much longer does he have? Can he handle kind of that second wave where, you know, Brady was lucky enough to have Belichick for the full thing, but he got his Gronk, he got his Edelman. Can they put those guys around him where Mahomes can continue in, in that second wave? So that's, and just staying healthy and the longevity, like you're not going to get to seven unless you play, you figure what another. 10 years, 10, 12 years. So that, that, that'll be the big test for, for Mahomes there. And Tom beat him in a Super Bowl, and he beat him in an AFC championship game. So we'll always have that uh, over them. But let's talk about the 49ers because that's the big story. That's what we want to talk about. You were not very happy with Kyle Shanahan, or I guess you were maybe happy that Kyle I'm Shanahan. Just, I'm blew just not it, surprised. But... I'm just not surprised. This is who he is. This is who Kyle Shanahan is. I'm sorry. And, and we'll address the excuses in a second. And we, we may need to have Evan on because he's texting me unprompted about this. He's already he's he's been annoyed since like halftime when they were up because he even he knows as a Shanahan guy what was going to happen when you're zero three in Super Bowls as a play caller in which you have a double digit lead. Okay, that already he had a he had a and ten you, point you lead for, he had a ten point lead for four minutes in the second quarter. Like, no, but we... he had no, but I'm sorry. He got up double digits. He has had in those three Super Bowls with less than 10 minutes to go in the game, in all three, in all three of those games, with less than 10 minutes to go in the game, the winning percentage, the like calculated winning percentage, because y'all love the math so much, was 86% or higher. So you tell me mathematically, with 10 minutes to go, three times, eight and a half of every 10 times he's supposed to win that game. And he's now lost it three times. That's not a fluke. That's not a fluke. That's not a coincidence. That is a pattern. And Kyle Shanahan is a great offensive mind. His play designs are outstanding. He's the, probably the best play designer in the league. Sam or the other guy, the guy on the other sideline, Andy Reid. But I don't care how, how cute and how intricate and how fancy your second and eight halfback shotgun draw is. You're, it, there's a lot, Brian, we talk about this all the time. There's a lot of guys in this league that are really good coordinators. And that's all they are. And there's nothing wrong with that. But that's all they are. A head coach 
can't just be a mad scientist in a laboratory because as a head coach, you got to come out of that laboratory and lead your team through a football game. And Kyle Shanahan gets his nose stuck so deep in the spreadsheets and in the play sheet that he loses track of what it takes to win the game. And again, and it's not just him. It's the whole tree. Matt LaFleur, this happens to constantly. Yeah. Loaded team, but it happens to him pretty regularly. Happened to him against the Patriots. Kyle Shanahan is a great play designer, but in 2016, he needed a head coach worth a damn, because by the way, Dan Quinn fits in that category too. It's not just offensive coaches. In 2016, he needed a head coach worth a damn to go to him and say, Kyle, run the freaking ball. What are you doing? In 2019, he needed to understand that his offense was not a fix-all for Jimmy Garoppolo, and you're up 10 points in the fourth quarter. Yes, you got there with Jimmy. That is impressive. How did you get there with Jimmy? The week before, Jimmy Garoppolo threw eight passes. It was the fewest by a quarterback in a win in a championship game since the 70s. So he knew. But that's not how he works because it's his offense. And then the same thing last night. The first three drives of the second half, protecting a lead. Pass, 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 punt. Pass, 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 punt. Pass, 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 punt. And then you get to the third and five at the end of the game when the Chiefs are starting to use timeouts. And you can run the ball there. To- you totally run it. Call a screen. Go go into your play sheet for like an easy completion. Just don't let the clock stop. And they they, they they make a low percentage throw with the best cornerback on the other team. They don't even check out of it. And they allow the Chiefs to keep an extra timeout, which ended up being crucial, crucial, in allowing them to tie the game. So that's, and we'll get into the overtime thing too. That to me is a whole other discussion. But this is who Kyle Shanahan is. He can design these, we, we talked about this with me at Pelt. When they hired him and people were annoyed that he never called plays. And they were, so what has he done? He's designed the offense. He designed a good offense. But this is why this is the question. Because when you get to Sunday and he's got to start making split second in the moment decisions, how's he going to handle that? And then on top of that, as a head coach, you also have to manage the game and know how much time is left. And do we need to call timeouts? And where are we on the field? Are we kicking? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? Kyle Shanahan and his tree do not possess the ability to do that. They miss moments or they lean on the math too hard. And it, it, it bites them almost every time. Again, McVay got one. That's all that tree has to show for it. So no, this was a choke by Kyle Shanahan. And it is now a pattern. If it had happened one time, I would agree with you. I would say, yes, it's a bit much to say, oh, they had a 10 point lead. Yeah, it was so early, whatever. But it's time and time again in the historical context of it. Who does history tell us Kyle Shanahan is? Brian, he's coached seven years for the Niners. He is, he is tied with Sean McDermott. But every we don't talk about McDermott the way we talk about Shanahan. And that's the other part of this. I'm not saying Kyle Shanahan's a terrible coach. Although, if you're the Niners and Bill Belichick's available, maybe you make that call. I'm not even saying Shanahan's a terrible coach. But if you pulled 10 people, and you ask them the top three coaches in the league, they might not all say Shanahan won, but they're all going to say Kyle Shanahan. And what what has he done to deserve that? And the point being, no coach in the NFL has coached their team longer 
without winning a title than Kyle Shanahan. He is now at seven years. In the Super Bowl era, there are nine coaches who have coached their team for 10-plus years without a ring. So Kyle Shanahan has three years to prove he is not Marv Levy, Marvin Lewis, Ted Martabrota, Jeff Fisher, Dan Reeves, Jason Garrett, Andy Reid in Philly, Dennis Green, or Jim Mora. And the Shanahan defenders will tell you he's Andy Reid in Philly, to which I would say, so then he does need to leave San Francisco, and he also needs to get the best quarterback in the game to be able to win and make it Shanahan-proof. To Then, look, I don't think he's Jeff Fisher, to be fair. Yeah. people <laughs> with that one? He's Marv Levy. Marv Levy is the, the greatest coach in Bill's history. He had a very winning run. He went to four Super Bowls, and he lost them all. And there's some other good coach. Like, Dan Reeves is a good coach. Dan Reeves is a good coach. Marv, he got a little weird at the end. But even Marvin Lewis, like, at his peak, was not a bad coach. But the point being, outside of Andy Reid, who later redeemed himself, if we were to sit here, Brian, and list the best coaches of the last 50 years, it's going to be a minute or two before we get to anybody on this list. And this is the guy I'm, I'm told is the wonderkind, is the future, is the brainchild of the modern NFL. He might, he's a great offensive mind. That's it. That's it. That's where that sentence stops. What Kyle Shanahan could do. Because he's also a choker. And he has loser in his DNA. And at a certain point, we need to acknowledge that. I do not believe Kyle Shanahan will win a Super Bowl in San Francisco. He might win one elsewhere. But it's, it's happened too many times now where he hasn't learned his lesson. I don't believe he's going to change without something drastic. Okay. Okay. So I don't, I didn't, I mean, I'm packing a lot of that there, but uh, <laughs> I didn't like the, the 10 point stat as I got at, because again, it was, this isn't 28, three or even the Super Bowl a few years ago against the Chiefs, where it's a 10 point def or a 10 point lead going into the fourth quarter. He had a double digit lead for four minutes, you know, in, in the second quarter. So uh, I didn't like that stat. Uh, the run, run, or the pass, 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 all the passes coming out of the half. I, I didn't mind that either. I think there was only one instance I maybe would have got at him for, uh, uh, you know, running, or he should have ran the ball instead of passing because. What did the Chiefs all say after the game? They were, you know, attacking these condensed splits. They were run blitzing. They wanted Brock to throw. The, like, the boxes were stacked. And the Niners have been so good of, you know, coming out with that use check and Christian McCaffrey look. And, you know, you're going to get matched in base personnel. And these teams are going to try to stop the run. And then they can throw out of it. And they've been so deadly with that. And, and you look at the pass plays, like, first down, this is the first series, like incomplete pass. Then they get a penalty. So it's second and 15. Are you going to go to the run there? Probably not. Incomplete pass, third and 15. You got to pass again. Now, the next possession, I probably, after you go three and out, that's when I probably would have started with a run. But they pass, they lose eight yards. So now it's second and 18. Now you have to pass, pass to get back. And then the next possession, they start on the ground and they don't get anything. So now you're second and 10. So I get it's easy to look at that and say Christian McCaffrey only got one carry. But I think just like the time and place of the game and, and what the Chiefs were doing kind of called for that. And then the down and distance, like there was a little more, you know, deep into that, I thought. And so that that's where I was at with, with Kyle Shanahan. I thought he called, 
you know, a, a decent game. Was it perfect? No, but uh, I thought he he was fine, and I thought it was more, you know, like the the punt hitting off the guy's heels, that 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 type of stuff. So that's co- that, that's, that's coaching. That's coaching. Yeah, that's fair. But and, and if we want to talk about coaching, Steve Wilkes, that defense was. Steve was Wilkes tough. did not did the, not call a good game either. I'll, I'll give you the, that. The soft zones oh, sorry, go ahead. late. The soft zones late. Like the second and sixteen, where they they have that like cover zero look, and they just give up the little like eight yard completion, and then the next time he was going to do it, then Shanahan called a, a timeout to kind of get him out of that. So I thought Steve Wilkes was very bad. At, I thought I think Kyle. We can talk about overtime too in a second, but I thought Shanahan was kind of getting a, a bad rap for how he how he went about that game. But so uh, a couple things on what you just said. How many in in the past pass pass punt sequences? In how many of them did what? What am I trying to say here? And how many of them, how many of those passes were like designed to Christian McCaffrey? This is my point. You're this great play designer. So sorry, I'm I'm trying to find something else. Like get the ball, get the ball to your best player. I guess is my point. Get the ball to your best player. If it's it, because he's a running back, you have options, run or pass. But like it's not just the pass, pass, pass. It's what he was doing. With the pass, 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 pass. Also, to your point about the 10-point lead, fine. I found the numbers. The Falcons had a 98.7% win chance in Super Bowl 51 in the fourth quarter. These are all in the fourth quarter. In the first Super Bowl against the, uh, sorry, against the Chiefs, he was at 96.1% in the fourth quarter. Last night, it only got as high as 87%. And just for good measure, let's include the 80.6% win chance he had in the fourth quarter of the NFC Championship against the Rams, in which he blew a 17-7 to lead. So does that contextualize it a little more fairly for you than the 10-point leads? Yeah. The what, day, the, what, point, the, what point was it at 87 last night, though? Like when he got the field goal late in the... Like 80, the, it was 87... Uh, on, on minute 53 when they kicked the go-ahead field goal? Oh, sorry. It was 87 in overtime. So the, the stat was after fourth okay. quarter. The highest it was in the in the fourth quarter was 77.4%. It was 83. But again, what are the odds? We're talking 90, 90, 80, high 70s. And he lost all four. So you math people, tell me what the odds are that a guy loses all four of those games with that winning percentage in the fourth quarter, and it's not statistically relevant. That's what I would say. Uh, so th- 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 those would be my my retorts to you. Is I, if if you want to say the ten point number, fine. It's only three of his chokes instead of four of his chokes that he blew a ten point lead late. But the the math that he loves, and this is where we bring in overtime. The math that is so dear and precious to him tells me he should have won all four of these games, and he should have won all four of them easily. Even if you put those percentages together, all four are greater than 75%. So him even losing one of those games is a statistical anomaly. And he lost all four of them. And then to, to, to bring in the math, Brian, we can do that. Blaming the analytics for taking the ball in overtime. So I have, I have heard one fair defense of that decision. And that is the defense was just on the field when Mahomes went down the field. And they didn't want to put the defense out back-to-back drives, which if he had come out and said that, I would have been like, you know what? 
that's it's a good call as Ed coach. Like that's an understanding of the human element of the game, but he loses the benefit of the doubt when he goes out and says the math. And I'll tell you, first of all, bad nerds to quote Felger. If you're going to have nerds, you better have the best nerds, bad nerds. You tell me how it helps you mathematically to have the ball first when you don't know what you need. Then to have it second and don't give me, well, then you get the ball third. You're not getting the third drive. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's scoring a touchdown. The only way that thing's going to third drives if you get a touchdown. By if by some chance you stop them, then on your second drive you can play it a little more conservative. Here's what the problem is for me, and this goes back to the math of it all. The nerds think it doesn't matter because the nerds are going forward on fourth down either way. Some of those fourth downs that the Chiefs had on that final drive, they probably would have had to punt on. If it was the first drive of overtime, the nerds would tell you to go for it on all of them. And look, it ultimately worked, but the, the Chiefs have Patrick Mahomes, the Niners don't. We'll get to that in Brock Purdy. But bad math, bad math from Kyle Shanahan, and it's the math gone wrong once again. Yep. Yeah. So overtime was a weird decision. I, I could see it. I was with you. Like if he came out and said my defense was just on the field for a long two minute drive and got gashed, then and we want to give them a break, fine. But he kind of said it was a, a predetermined thing that they want the ball third. So then if it goes into that sudden death, you know, whatever, right. they they would have the chance to win. But- Although, sorry, I I wouldn't rule out that he's covering up the fact that but he did not know, know the rules. <laughs> that he simply didn't know the rule. Which again, bad coach, bad head coach. You don't know the rules for overtime. And it's not just the Super Bowl. It's the playoffs. They changed that rule, what, two years ago? How many playoff games has he played? Two years ago? You'd think he'd want to figure it out. You'd think he'd want to know. Or somebody would go to him at some point during the week and be like, hey, what do we want to do if it goes to overtime? Andy Reid was doing that. Andy Reid was talking about it back in the summer. Patriots obviously were never making the playoffs, but you know Bill Belichick (laughs) was prepared. He looked at the rule because that's what good coaches do. They don't just draw up fancy plays. They coach their team. They lead their team through a game, which Kyle Shanahan has proven time and time again, he cannot do. Yeah. So I probably would have kicked just because I liked having that fourth down in your back pocket as the Chiefs right. you know, used it. But did you think uh, when the Niners took the ball, they drive down, would you have gone for it on fourth and four there? Or would you have kicked the field goal? I, that one, honestly, I could see go either way. I'm not, I'm not going to fault him for that. Like in everything neutral in a vacuum, I kicked the field goal, but because it's Patrick Mahomes and without Dre Greenlaw on defense, like there's an argument to be made for going for it. That's like a more college move. Yeah. Um, I don't, I, I fault them for the play call on third down while you're running a two cut route on a play where you're pulling linemen, you're not going to be able to block. I don't understand that. And if Purdy makes the throw, they score a touchdown there, and it's a completely different story. Is that the one they pull the center? Yeah, they pull the center, and Chris Jones yeah. was just like, okay. That, that one was a weird one. <laughs> that Yeah, exactly. For all the, the brilliant designs. Um, and yeah, because they that, couldn't get to go back to the third and four. Like, they, they, they the third mediums, the third and short to medium, the third and, like, three to six was a nightmare for them in this game. Third down overall, they were, what, like, two for 13, which, again, Offensive genius goes yeah. two for 13 on third down in the biggest game of the year. What what am I looking at here? But yeah, I, I, um, 
I, I don't I, I don't fault. That's one I won't fault him for. And you know I'm being sincere because I'll clearly fault him for everything based on the last 10 minutes of the show have gone. I, 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 I could take it or leave it either way there. If you really believe, I think if they had a play call they really believed in and they left it in their back pocket, that is a bad idea. I don't think they believed they could pick it up with enough sincerity to make it worth going for it, which is how that decision should be made, not the math. It should be how much do we trust our play call? How much do we trust our ability to execute it? I, based on the way the game had gone, I would understand if they didn't trust their play call, they didn't trust their ability to execute right there. And so, yeah, it makes all the sense in the world to, to kick it there. Well, you had the, uh, the fourth and three earlier in the game. So that, you know, that was a good one that vindicated Dan Campbell a, a right. little bit where they could have kicked a field goal to tie, but uh, <laughs> yeah. he went for it, got it and got the touchdown. So yeah. Well, Kyle uh, Shannon is a much better roster than Dan Campbell. That's the difference. The, yeah, offensively. I mean, yeah, the I, Niners are uh, the Niners, it Niners, It's the best roster in football. Yeah, but uh, the the Lions are up there. They're they're pretty good offense. They're up there, but I mean, the Niners right. And this goes back to the point with Shanahan again. There's no better. He, he's had the best roster in the league for how many years now? Quarterback position aside, and by the way, who picks the quarterback position there? Not it's not John Lynch. It's not John Lynch. So he's well, saddled himself with these it? guys because. Didn't Kyle want Mr. Mac Jones and John Lynch? Oh, wanted that's Trey right. Lamb? That was it. Well, he's going to get Mac Jones now. He wants to get traded. <laughs> but I, I I have no sympathy for Kyle with the quarterbacks. First off, he had an MVP and a Hall of Fame wide receiver when he was with Atlanta. He should have never believed in Jimmy Garoppolo. That That's his own fault. Yeah. For believe, Like, if I could see it and I was, how old was I at the time? I wasn't covering football yet. I, I was a fan, but... If I could, like, remember when everybody was pissed? And there, I think, I, I don't know if this was pre when I was on Twitter. I said, said this, people. This sounds like the, the most hindsight take ever. <laughs> remember when everybody was upset that the Niners ripped the Patriots off for Jimmy Garoppolo? I yeah. this was actually, oh no, I was just starting at CLNS. The videos don't exist anymore because the YouTube channel doesn't exist anymore. But me and Trags, I was on there with them and I said, you know, when this all said and done, a second round pick, the Patriots fleece the Niners. Should never have believed in Jimmy Garoppolo. Should never have allowed John Lynch to give up three firsts for... Well, all right. So here's the point. Maybe he wasn't in on Lance. He's the one who didn't want Brady. You put Tom That's Brady true. on that team the last two years. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes has won Super Bowl, and there is... Well, I guess yeah. he wouldn't have been playing last year. He would have retired. But like, there's no debate. There's no debate. And Kyle Shanahan said, nope, I'm good. I'm going to stick with uh, this kid from North Dakota State who hasn't played football in three years and Jimmy Garoppolo and Brock Purdy. Like the Brock Purdy takes today are weird. It's everybody either back to the wall, defending him or saying he shouldn't be in the league. Like Brock Purdy's a fine starting quarterback. Like he's okay. He's average. He's net neutral. That term I always use. He's not going to win you games, but he's not going to lose you games. He's just sort of there. And Jimmy Garoppolo was the same way when he was healthy. And Kyle Shanahan keeps taking these guys and trying to win the games with them instead of with Christian McCaffrey or Debo Samuel or George Kittle or whoever. And even if the Chiefs are taking away Kittle, like you have so many options. So I don't I, I don't think that game says a ton about Brock Purdy either way. I think that just confirmed who Brock Purdy is. Like he made a couple plays that were, you know, he had that one throw where he's rolling to the right and he puts it, you know, he kind of went arm slot. And that was a nice throw. Like he's fine. He's not going to outdo Patrick Mahomes. You shouldn't expect that. 
I think he should be, I think he deserves to be a starter, but you'd better have a damn good team around him. And you'd better recognize that as a coach and play caller, that that's your setup. Yep. Agree with you there. So any, do you have anything else about Shanahan that you didn't get out or we can take a, um, a quick break and, and talk about something else here? Do the Niners call Bill? I don't. Let me ask you this. No. If Bill Belichick is coaching that game last night, who wins? Um, Say like Clint Kubiak's the play caller or whoever, one of their next guys up is the play caller. Probably. With autonomy. Uh, I'd, I'd go the Niners because Bill wouldn't be running that soft zone on second and 16. On, on he wouldn't be running play. the soft zone. He'd be running the football late in the game and managing the clock correctly. Yeah. And I wonder if John Lynch is asking himself that same question. If Bill Belichick's coaching my team last night, who wins the game? I'd be and if, shocked if, if they did. Although the thing is, if, could although I guess not because the uh, all the coaching vacancies are filled, though. But like if this was two weeks ago when you could trade Kyle Shanahan and some team would have gave you a first round pick and then you bring in Bill like that would be enticing. but I I'd, I'd be shocked if they <clears throat> moved on from Kyle Shanahan there but I don't know maybe maybe not this this offseason let's say the Niners start like three and three as they've done the last couple of years let's say they start three and three it's not like a normal year where you're firing your coach and you're just bringing an interim and you're getting to the finish line the greatest coach of all time is available. I'm just saying. Yeah, maybe it's going on in those walls over there. But uh, let's take one more very quick break. We can hear from our friends at LinkedIn, and then we can wrap it up with a little more discussion about what's on the radar with the NFL offseason. When you're hiring for your small business, or this show is brought to you by LinkedIn Town Solutions. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you want to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. Uh, it can be a pain, right? Finding people for jobs, but LinkedIn Jobs definitely makes it easy. It's not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the very best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have that many qualified candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. It's so easy. See how many easies are in there? They're right. So many easies. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash B-E-A-T. That's linkedin.com slash B-E-A-T. To post your job for free, terms and conditions apply. All right. So, again, we are 32 teams now in the NFL offseason. Obviously, an important one, to say the least, for the Patriots. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this. You saw two very different models in the Super Bowl, you could say, right? One with, you know, the alpha quarterback, and they build around him. And then another with, again, that late-round quarterback that they – put all the talent uh, around him. Did the game swing you or the, you know, the chiefs winning that, did that 
is, can the Patriots learn something from that? Should I say, should that influence their decision here? Maybe with the number three pick one way or one way or another. Well, I mean, it's going to, and by the way, congrats on getting, I think that's the first time you're hosting the show that you got like me full on ranting. So congratulations. You survived <laughs> it. Um, I, I, I felt like I put you a little deer in headlights there. I apologize. Um, I, I mean, it's a copycat league. I don't think this just applies to the Patriots. I think you're right. It's it's do you just build up around the quarterback position and, and plug somebody in, or do you go out and get the quarterback? And I think what the Chiefs proved is that if all's falling apart around you, and I'll tell you, like that Chiefs offense, they have Kelsey, and that gives them the edge. But you take Kelsey out, and he really start. He was hit and miss this year. They're not that much better skill position wise than the Patriots. Especially when, like, go back to when Kendrick Bourne was healthy, like early in the year. Yeah, it's not how much of a difference. It's rough, <laughs> right? And he's still one. So if you get the guy, if you get one of these guys, you're in. You're you're off and running. If you don't, even if you put all the talent around him, it's still really tough. The margin for error. We've seen it with the Niners. The margin for error is not as big as it is for the Chiefs, even though the Niners have a bigger team. Which team would you say made more mistakes in last night's game? The Niners. The not right. And I think that's a lot of what it came down to was they just didn't have the same margin for error the Chiefs did. So I to, like I still think they're both viable if you do them correctly. And I I the Niners could have two rings if Kyle Shanahan would figure out how to run the ball. Niners have two more rings if Kyle Shanahan knew what a halfback dive was. But I don't mean to keep picking on him, but the idea being like, you better have the right coach. And I'm not saying Andy Reid isn't the right coach, but you better have the right coach. You'd better be, you better have multiple blue chip players on both sides of the ball. Whereas with the Chiefs, Patrick Mahomes will bail you out. Or, and I know like some of these teams maybe haven't won one, but how'd the Bengals get there? A lot of it was Joe Burrow. Just being Joe Burrow and bailing them out. How many times have the Ravens been bailed out by Lamar Jackson? Like those teams have a bigger margin for error. And if you're starting from scratch and you want to build, don't you want the guy that gives you more margin for error? And that's a quarterback. That's an elite quarterback. So if you think whether it's Jaden Daniels, whether it's Drake May, if you think that guy is going to be, I mean, nobody's going to be in the conversation with Mahomes, but if you think that guy's going to be in the conversation with Lamar Jackson, with, Justin Herbert with, and people are going to get mad at me for bunching all the tears together, but with Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen, if you think one of these guys is going to be in that tier, then how do you not get the guy? This is, has been my point. If there's a quarterback sitting on the board that you believe you're like, we have a plan for this guy and we are going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. Is there anything worth doing anything else with that pick? whether it be trading down, whether it be taking somebody else. If you believe Jaden Daniels or Drake May is a Super Bowl winning quarterback, how do you not, especially after last night, take him? Because you're, you're going to start with Joe Alt or start with Marvin Harrison. And you have this four or five year buildup where you, you, you build essentially the Niners roster. And then you just find a quarterback to plop in the middle of it. You have a really good team, but still the margin isn't there. Whereas if you truly hit on one of these quarterbacks, you look at the Texans this year. I mean, they're off and running, and they still have a long way to go, and they haven't won anything, but not exactly slow rebuild in Houston. Yeah. Here, here we go. They're, they're all in. People say, oh, no, that was like two or three years they put together. Not really. They, I mean, they had some bad years, but they were bad years where they were trying to be good. 
they weren't bad years. Sorry, I just want to pull up their records. They weren't bad years because they were like, all right, we're going to do this this multi-year rebuild. Right? They were in the playoffs in 2019. The COVID year, everybody kind of bottomed out. They, fi- they fired O'Brien, and then they cleared out their front office again in 21. So you're looking at really, you know, they were bad one year. They had CJ Shred. It's not like they have all these blue chip players all over the roster. Their receivers are fine. Like, Nico Collins is good. Dalton Schultz is good. Like, Nico Collins is what, the third receiver on the Niners? If that. Yeah. Dalton probably. Schultz, obviously, tight end there. Running back, that's not the case. Even at starting tackle. And yet, here we go. We're talking about them. as They're, they're going to be everybody's hot Super Bowl pick next year. Because they got the quarterback. The quarterback changes everything. That's what last night's game tells you. Yep. Especially when all those guys you just mentioned are in the AFC, right? So you're going to have to right. go through, even if somehow. Really, who someone... is the best quarterback in the NFC? Is it Dak? This is year, it... probably Dak or Stafford. Stafford played really well this year, but yeah, probably Dak. My head's like, like going into 2024, if you could pick one of the NFC quarterbacks to put on your team, not including like uh, Caleb Williams to the Bears or whatever. I mean, if it's just like I had to win one year, I might pick Stafford. But yeah, Dak or I mean, like Dak Stafford Jalen hurts. hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we're missing the, somebody. Hang on. Uh, I mean, Cousins, Cousins, Fields, Golf, Jordan Love. I, Jordan Love might be up there now. I remember I had this take during Mac Jones' rookie year. They would have been a top five quarterback in the NFC, <laughs> and I, that's going to upset people. But so yeah, you have Dak. Stafford, I just pulled up NFL's quarterback rankings list. They have Goff third, Purdy fourth. So what you what you saw last night was the fourth best quarterback the NFC has to offer. Then they have Kirk Cousins, who's 36 and coming off a torn Achilles. Jordan Love. <laughs> Is Jordan Love a top eight quarterback in the AFC? Probably. All right, I would maybe, actually put Baker ahead of eight. both. I would put Baker ahead of Love for what it's worth. But yeah, like apples and oranges. Yeah. I don't know how that happened. And it, it was like that last time too. Brady, Manning, Rivers, Roethlisberger, all in the AFC. I guess the NFC had Breeze. That was their one guy. But they had AFC's like, quarterback confidence. They had one, one, one year when it was like Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze all still going and, and the NFC. And Oh, that's right. That and like Russell Wilson, maybe, but like they they had just like one or two years there. But yeah, you got to go through these AFC quarterbacks. And again, even if someone upsets Mahomes, and you're gonna have to go through Burrow or, or Josh Allen or CJ Stroud or Justin Herbert. Like you, you got to get the difference maker at, at that position. But uh, I'll also say, I mean, the Chiefs. I think they proved throughout this this run and, and Steve Spagnuolo that like defense still matters and still has a place in this league today. They gave up like just under 16 points a game throughout the playoffs. They held Baltimore to 10. They held, you know, San Fran, which was another high powered offense to just 22. So it was an awesome like month of work from, from Spags. They have, yeah. I mean, you look at like their top two guys, Chris Jones and Trent McDuffie, maybe Legarius Sneed too. That's, you know, Christian Barmore and Christian Gonzalez. You hope like that can be kind of the path there for the Patriots. So defense definitely still matters. And, and I mean, what a night last night for the special teams, right? Like you need a oh, reliable, yeah. reliable kicker. The punters were awesome. I mean, how many, 
We had obviously two records on field goals. I think someone said like the last six Super Bowls have all been decided by three points. So, you know, field goals are, are vital. So the quarterback is the big thing. But well, it was decided on an extra point, essentially. Yeah, the block. So those things still still very important in the whole scheme of things. Even if you have Patrick Mahomes, you still need some guys uh, around him at all three phases there. Just to go back to your defense take real quick. I think that's if if you want something coming away from that to be encouraged by the Patriots. Like I, I, and I talked about Mahomes being able to win with a bad offense and he made plays when he needed to. But I don't know how often this year he made plays consistently. Or I let me rephrase that. I don't know how often this year that offense made plays consistently. Cuz I don't want to make it sound like Mahomes played inconsistent. I think he was just a product of what he was surrounded by to an extent. That yet they won the Super Bowl. Did the Chiefs win? The, even though they have Patrick Mahomes. And when I say they won the Super Bowl, I don't mean the Super Bowl game. I mean the totality of the season. Was the Chiefs offense or the Chiefs defense more responsible for them winning the Super Bowl? Defense, 100%. And that's why, and that 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 is, I think, a, a, a true takeaway from this game. I think it's a real takeaway and it helps the Patriots. And I've said this. You can win in this league. and Because the, the thing with Bill was... Bill wanted to win with the defense being the better unit. That was what he was more invested in all of that. And people hated that in a league where there's rising offense. I, I, I do think it's possible. The offense just can't be that bad. The offense has to give you something yeah. and people confuse the two, right? Where no, the offense has to be good. Like the defense can't be bad. The defense, if the D de the defense can be really good and the offense can be, I want to say like better than fun. And, but what did the Chiefs rank this year in scoring? I I, I think they were like fringe top 10, if that. Because they had a couple. Oh, no, they're 15th in scoring. Perfect. They're average. They were average, and they ranked second in defense. Like, that could be the Patriots in two years. That could. And, and that doesn't mean they're going to win the Super Bowl, but, I mean, they'll be competitive. So, and that's why, to me, again, people talk about you take the tackle. Let's, you know. It's going to be a five-year rebuild. Do it right. I actually don't, don't mind if they push it a little bit to capitalize on the defense they have in place because that is an asset. And if it works, great. If not, then you do the slow rebuild anyway. Why are you rushing to it? And in that, I, I, I want to go to this point. I just want to bring this up because, Brian, we've talked about this on the show, and I think it's important an important point. The comment says, you miss on a quarterback. You're right back here next year with nothing to show. I don't want to be the, the Dolphins post Marino or the Jets post Namath. That's why you don't screw up developing Mac Jones. This is just the reality of where they are. The because because what's the alternative is my question. The days of trading for aging superstar quarterbacks, there was a, a an excess of quarterback talent in the league, and it created a situation where guys like Bray and they all played so long. It's not just they were good; they played so long, and it created this weird sort of anomaly for Brady. And Rodgers and even guys like 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 Matt Ryan and Philip Rivers and Russell Wilson became available. That pipeline has dried up. I I don't know who the veteran is you're going out and getting like that. If you want to tell me Trevor Lawrence next year, maybe, but don't just bank on getting Trevor Lawrence next year. This is what you have to do. The 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 half measures at quarterback. Oh, we'll go get a veteran and see if we can revive him like Baker. Oh, we'll go get a quarterback on day two. We've talked about the history of the day two quarterbacks, Brian. It, it doesn't work that way. 
it's it's rarer than hitting on a quarterback in the first round. It is. You just this is this is what it is. I, I get that it's scary, but this is why I was urging people back in October, don't rush Mac Jones out the door. And look, ultimately, it did play out, and he wasn't the guy. And this is where we are. Quarterback carousel scary. I tried telling everybody that you don't want to rush back into it. This is just it's the price of doing business in the NFL. Is you take quarterbacks high and you hope you hit because the half measures work even less. And there was a tweet I think we talked about on the show, Brian, a couple months ago that. Mac Jones has Patriots fans so scared. They just don't want to take a quarterback in the first round because they're so petrified of the idea of dealing with another bust. And to which I, 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 again, I say, what is the alternative? What is the alternative you're suggesting? Because I don't, there's no better option. This isn't a good option. You know, drafting a quarterback at three more often than not doesn't work, but it still works more often than the other things. Yeah. The reality is, and I'm not going to use the Chiefs because they have Mahomes, but you're not I'm going back Super Bowl winners. You're not getting a Stafford like the Rams. I don't even know that I can use a Super Bowl winner for this because Brady and Mahomes have won well, like eight of the last ten of them. But you have so, a be- yeah. you have a better chance at becoming the Ravens or the, dare I say the Bills or the Texans. Then you do it becoming the Niners. That's just that's just what it, it tells that that's just the way it 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 it's gone. If you want to try the Niners plan because you're scared of the quarterback high, you can do that. But it's not there, there's no evidence that says it's more likely to work. It's less likely to work. Yeah. No. I agree with you hundred percent. Like if you are sitting there at three, and whether it's Drake May or Jaden Daniels, and you believe that guy can win you a Super Bowl and get your own playmaker at, at that position, you have to, have to go that route because it is the easiest path to consistently, like year after year, competing with the top dogs and trying to get back to those kind of Super Bowl ways. So if you believe in one of those guys, you absolutely uh, have to pull the trigger. Even though it is scary, there is a chance like you could – end up with Trey Lance or, or Mac Jones again, and they could bust out and, and you're back in the QB carousel a few years ago, but you, you just got to do it. That That's how you get back, back to the winning ways. So uh, any other last thoughts, anything we didn't talk about that, that you want to bring up from the game or Patriots or off season that we didn't touch on, or we can kind of wrap this one up. Yeah, I think we pretty much covered all of it. All right, so uh, we will be back sometime this week, either Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday. probably Thursday. So uh, you can make sure you subscribe to the channel, turn your notifications on so you do know when we go live. In the meantime, you can follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Head over to 985vsportshub.com to read his work. He's got a fresh mock draft. It is officially mock draft season. He's got one up. You can go read over there. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Head over to patspulpit.com to read my Patriots coverage. Thank you all, as always, for tuning in, and we will see you guys later this week. Bye.